my favorite moment my own journey the best day of class and it was just such a amazing experience as we get to know each other it easy. set me on a path it really sparked something inside of me drive a love for seeing the professor like really all i want to do just become a better me this is the coolest thing ever that i really enjoyed about saint rose neighbor you made it oh hi neighbor i'm sorry to be running a bit late it's just such a busy time of year final projects and lessons and oh my gosh in the midst of all this i'm really glad we made time to talk yeah me too and i've also invited some stellar guests to be with us today they're student leaders and college administrators and they're coming to talk to us about how they've navigated the last year at saint rose and what it's meant for them to come back to campus as the pandemic rages on yeah, it's been good to be back together, and I'm really excited to meet them. Shall we get the conversation started? Let's do it. Welcome, listeners, and thank you for tuning back in to Dear Neighbor. I'm Liz Richards, here with my co-host, Emily Pinkerton. If you tuned in to episode one, you already know what we're about. We invite faculty, students, and administrators to sit down and have unscripted conversations about teaching, learning, and our college community here at St. Rose. In today's episode, we build on the theme of welcome from episode one and ask the questions, what happens when a physical place becomes virtual? And how do we find our footing when we come back? And more generally, how do we make a place our own? We'll start with a conversation that you had, Liz, with someone eyeing graduation. Yeah, I had so much fun sitting down with my student and advisee, college senior Jada Hart, to talk about places on campus that are meaningful to her and the part those places played in her academic and personal growth, or as she put it, places where she grows and thrives. Let's hear from Jada. I'm queuing it up. My name is Jada Hart. I am a senior communications major with a double concentration in film and new media and journalism. I was an Alana's leadership peer leader. It was a diversity group that we had on campus. I started in the program as a mentee, and then my sophomore year I was a mentor. I've been a tour guide. I was an orientation leader at some point. I was very briefly a communications ambassador, so I spoke at panel events. I am also a Bold Women's Leadership Network scholar. How I got here is kind of funny. I had taken a tour my sophomore year of high school, and then the next time I saw St. Rose was when I was doing Star Day. And like one of the like biggest things that kind of stuck with me is how like homey the neighborhood felt. It was like everything that I need was within like a walking distance. So we were going to get together and take a walk through campus. Mm -hmm. And you were going to tell me a little bit about some of the places that were special to you here and how they played a part in your growth. Mm -hmm. But it's raining. Yes. So here we are <laughs> in the studio. The first location that I kind of had to navigate myself, aside from like moving into my dorm, that I thought was like, wow, okay, this is cool, was the EAC. My Alana is leadership peer group we had met there briefly so that was kind of like my very first interaction with people they walked us through the gym where we took our id photos and it's really cool because like to this day the eac is still really special to me because there's always something going on even if i'm just walking to go to camelot to get some lunch there's something going on there there are people relaxing 
there are people playing bongos. Sometimes there's dogs in there. It's um, also like one of my favorite places to this day that I think is still mm. special to me. Yeah. I remember I was sitting in my dorm room and I couldn't figure out like how to get there. So I like put it in Google Maps. You weren't sure how to get there from your dorm and you put it in Google Maps? Yes. Wow. So I lived in Brewbacher Hall. Oh, so. now that explains it. Yes. Okay. And that dormitory is probably like the most special to me, I would say. Being in the Alana's leadership program, I had met a couple of people who are still really, I'm really close with. And they all just so happened to live in Brew. And I remember within the very first like three days, I had met them over breakfast and then we went to the lounge in Brew, and we just talked until like three, four in the morning. And I remember in my brain, I was like, dang, like, I feel like I've known these people for like years. Here I am like talking to them at 4 a.m. And in that room, it's kind of really solidified my friendship with them. It's kind of like also solidified a relationship with my boyfriend. That's how we were just sitting in that lounge and we just started wow. talking. So like there is where a lot of our like all-nighters have been. It's been places where we've binged so many TV shows and movies and just chatted, played werewolf, all different kinds of things. And yeah, that's like the most special to me. All-nighters, that's really, it sort of defines a college experience. I mean, I remember my college experience, which is long, long ago Mm -hmm. in the 90s. But it, you know, that was, that was really defining like who you spent that late night time with. It's like where you have all the big profound discussions. I've left my indent on the couch just sitting there (laughs) all night. I spent a lot of all-nighters in Lima Lab doing, Mm -hmm. like, video projects, Mm. editing, writing papers. I think I got some late-night emails from you in Lima Lab. Hey, I can't get this to export. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) That happens all the time. Yeah. But just, like, in passing by Wellworth, the first floor is the intercultural office. And that is where the Alana is leadership group met. Sometimes I would stick my nose in there to say hi to Lamara Burgess. She was the um, coordinator at the time. She was great. A couple of my friends had, like, office hours in there. So sometimes I'd peek my head in there and bother them. And me and my friend, we would just, like, sit in there for a while and just kind of reflect, like, dang, this has been a really fun year. This has been great. Just sitting in that office and, like, think every time I pass by it, I think about Alana because that is how I met all of my friends who are still friends to this day. And just thinking of Alana, if it wasn't for that program, I'm not sure where I'd be. I'm not sure who my friends would be. It's, mm. All my friends are from different majors. Yeah. So every time I pass that, I just think, wow, that was, like, really great. And then being a mentor in the program sophomore year, I had to, like, pass through that office mm-hmm. very briefly. But it's um, just one of those places that have always felt like a safe space on campus. Mm. And even though, like, I wasn't in there, like, all the time, it just reminds me of the program and how much I loved it just knowing it's there yeah it's meaningful Mm -hmm. yeah so you started there as a mentee your freshman year yep I there was the pathways programs options when we had applied as freshmen and then they assigned us to our mentor my mentor took me and like the other mentee to Washington Park and we had a little picnic Mm. and that was super fun and then sophomore year I was like, wow, this is so impactful. Why wouldn't I apply to be a part of this again? So I applied to be a mentor my sophomore year. And I had two mentees of myself, and it felt really great. I got to take them around talk to them, give advice throughout the year. And it just felt very, like, reflective of my own Mm. journey and 
and how much it like impacted me. It must have been so wonderful for you to be moved to then decide to give back. Mm -hmm. Like that, that means a lot to me. And I see how you did it in our department too. I mean, you're always giving to us here at this, you know, institution. I enjoy like, I think expanding on things that make me happy or make me feel very passionate. And that was one of the major things that like, as I said, is I wouldn't be the same if it wasn't yeah. for that program. Yeah. I wouldn't be for the same if it wasn't for like a lot of those little different aspects. So I yeah. feel like I always have to be a part of them to really help be the same for somebody else. I'm sure through all that work that you've done on campus, you're probably very familiar with the college mission. And to me, it seems like you're one of our best examples of somebody who lives that. Like you are a thoughtful, caring citizen who wants to give back and make good in the world. So, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you. I mean, you've been somebody in our department who has really stood out Sometimes you turn in work late, Jada. I, I know. know. <laughs> Everybody does. But, yeah. like, you, we've had so many conversations about how, like, you know, you don't like to turn in work until you think it's at a place where it's meaningful. And yeah. that means a lot. Like, that, to me, means more than, like, making a deadline or not. Yeah, so I appreciate that. What a fun conversation. I can just hear over and over how how Jada really values this place. She values all these special memories that are embedded in the buildings and connected to all the people that have formed who she is over these years at St. Rose. Yeah, she talks about how she really doesn't think she'd be who she is now without the experiences she had here. And it's because of those experiences, because of this place, that she's been inspired to give back to her college community. It's just so admirable. It's wonderful. It's heartwarming. And it's just what you hope to find, you know, as you work as an educator. And I think there are so many folks here at St. Rose like Jada with that same determination to make the experience better for each generation of students. Yeah, for sure. But that was just a taste of our conversation. We're going to hear more from Jada in episode three. But let's jump into our next conversation where we see more examples of those students giving back to their college community. I can't wait. Oh, I think they're at the door. Let's let them in. My name is Galen Gomes Sr. and I am affectionately known as Dr. G. I'm the director of uh, diversity and inclusion here at the institution. And I've been here just over one year. Uh, Last Tuesday, I believe, was my one year anniversary. Well, congratulations on the one year. <laughs> I am Corlin Deverne. I am a senior here at the College of St. Rose. I am also the president and founder of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That is how I know Dr. G. It's my fourth year and I'm ready to graduate. <laughs> if you could share with folks, what are the main goals for the organization, for the League? Main goals you have creating the community, right? What I want to do with the league, what I am doing with the league is creating that sense of brotherhood, right? I'm gathering around men on campus, men of color on campus. I'm saying, hey, I recognize you and I hear your voice. Come join the league so we can all come together and have that voice so we can actually make change on this campus. That goes into my other goal, making change on this campus. Since 
everything that's going on, just looking at what happened during that George Floyd time and the emergence of Black at St. Rose, there was a lot of voices that spoke their piece, which made me think there's a lot going on that people do not see. How can I make something of this? How can I make something of this? So it's the gather around folks because we're better together than just alone individuals. Having that sense of confidence and group can, I feel, can only happen when a group of, of guys, especially guys who look the same in, in my own context, come together and really have that sense of brotherhood. Because once you have that sense of brotherhood, you can be yourself, share ideas, and just live comfortably and go about life with a sense of confidence that you can overcome the challenges of the day, the week, the month, the quarter, that you're able to just face the world. And I think without that, I think a lot of guys fall into depression, anxiety, and I know I've, I've felt that. And just having that sense of brotherhood, it tackles a lot of things. I've worked a lot with youth and education or the combination of the two. One thing that I am often reflecting on about St. Rose students is a sense of purpose. I reflect on the fact that our future is in good hands. You being one of the main students that I got to know and then, you know, started working with advising and helping you to develop your organization. One thing that I've always been impressed with you is your, your ability to pivot. I think in today's time, especially with what we're dealing with right now, that's probably a skill set that's become highlighted as necessary for students and especially for graduates. Um, you've always been able to show the ability to pivot during the development stages of the organization to the launch. And even with your programming, when something needed to change or didn't work out, it wasn't, I'm going to let this go. It wasn't, this can't happen. It was, okay, what can we do to, to shift to make sure we're still going to meet you know, the design? And I think if you reflect on how many times people say, you know, I'm worried about the future, their hands will even it too. And my experience here at St. Rose, I've met some phenomenal students who continue to impress upon me that there are really good young people coming behind who can do some phenomenal things. That's a, that's a credit to you, but also a credit to the generation. How do you feel St. Rose has played a role in, in developing you in that way? The first thing that pops into my mind is that St. Rose is located upstate New York. Me being from Prince George's County, Maryland, right? It's, it's a good bit away. <laughs> it's a whole different environment. Uh, just me being here, it's already that challenge of needing to change and kind of absorb the culture and the people here. I can't even say it's a challenge. It's more of a, just a wall or a, just a, a thing that I need to en encompass or go over. Different people tend to do different things that I'm not used to. So I'm like, okay, it's just understanding different people. And I know not everything I want is gonna go my way. But if I have a certain goal in mind, I'm like, there's more than just one path. St. Rose, there's, there's great faculty here. Great faculty and administration who's been able to work with me throughout the years. You being one of them recently, you know, it's, combination of the location of St. Rose and the administration of and faculty, the people throughout my St. Rose, yeah. you know, career. Uh, but besides coming here and experiencing that culture shock, you know, initially as a student, what kind of things kept you tied here? You know, coming here is one thing, but how did you get over that shock? How did you, what did you do to, to stick it through? 
you know, with culture shock and all that. I'm definitely already had a culture shock coming from Prince George's County. I call it PG County. That's the short version. So PG County is very black, <laughs> very black, black and wealthy. I would say when I came into St. Rhodes, it, it was pretty mixed. I would say my my uh, my class coming in, my freshman class coming in, which made my parents happy because they didn't want me going to uh, the the whitest uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> school um, ever, but um, it was definitely a culture shock. It was more of the people and less about race. I grew up with not a lot of experience with a lot of, not a lot of cultures. It was only black culture to me. It was uh-huh. black culture, very little Caribbean and a good maybe 10% West African Nigerian. Right. It's funny. I'll I'll tell a little story, a little short little story of how I got into my band real quick, because this really helped me with the cultural shock. So while I was a music major, I was uh, working on some keyboard harmony uh, homework and uh, I was in one of the practice rooms, you know, practicing on piano, just just working on some keyboard homework. Then um, this guy knocks on the door and dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, who is he? You know, then this black guy steps in. Hey you play piano? I was like, no, I, I play sax. This is just keyboard harmony homework. He's like, oh, would you like to join a band? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I stop my keyboard. I grab my stuff. You know, I follow him to um, one of the other classrooms. And, uh, you know, I meet all the other guys and we just talking and stuff. And he was like, hey, this is, this is Corlin. He plays sax. He let me join without even hearing me play. <laughs> this guy's name was David Catino. Cool guy. And, you know, he definitely gave me the opportunity to join the, you know, band. And in that band, there was Brian Dono, Italian guy. There was the Concepcion brothers. You got Brian and Danilo. Danilo was guitar. Brian was a uh, keyboard, both Dominican from the city. There was also <laughs> Jaden Birch, who was on drums, you know. So it, it was a good, diverse, <laughs> diverse cultural group. And that really helped me get off of that culture shock. It helped me form nice. sort of community. And it helped me, you know, reach out to different cultures, reach out to different people, connect with different people. So just with that band, I was able to get over the hump of culture. And I'm glad it was earlier in my freshman year, fall freshman year. So I'm just glad that happened. Um, And I still keep in contact with them today. It was a good little ride. So Cortland, I know for um I know for myself what it was like being a, an employee and you know someone administration starting at the institution. But what was it what was it like for you coming back to a space where we've opened up a little bit more and you can get back to somewhat of a sense of normalcy? I would say it, it's a little less sociable. I'm having a lot less social interactions, but that's okay. I'm a lot more busy than I was before. So coming back, it's been an adjustment. The the one thing I would say is a negative about coming back is the whole virus kind of stuff, things spreading around, you know, not a lot of people interacting with each other. And we now, we're now just coming back. You know, it's something you navigate, you know, always working out, eating healthy, you know, just doing your best to keep healthy. But uh, that's only one thing that I can say it's a challenge, but uh, you know, it's, 
it's um good being back good being back into classes you know a good environment that i do best at so how is it you know working in you know environment you're working at for me it was challenging when i started you know i started in the middle of a semester you know november and in the middle of a pandemic of course so mm-hmm. the onboarding for this position was obviously vastly different than any other position i've ever you know held because of that dynamic and you know, I came back to higher ed uh, to be on campus and to be student facing, and I wasn't able to have that dynamic. So it made my first several months here very difficult because I wasn't getting the fulfillment of what I what, what I was looking for. Coming back uh, to the start of this year and this semester, for me, it was refreshing because although we're still in the middle of this, we did have the opportunity to open up a little bit more, engage. We have some programming and such happening and student events. So, and on top of that, I'm now positioned in the middle of the campus. You know, I'm in the EAC in the middle mm-hmm. of students. Accessibility is night and day. And, you know, there's not a day that I don't have a student popping in here in the morning, you know, close to first mm-hmm. thing when I come in, let alone how many times throughout the day. And I love that, you know, in my role, I feel like I serve as not just a director of diversity and inclusion, but I serve as, you know, a, a counselor when need be. I serve as an ear when somebody just needs to let something out. I give advice when it's asked. I support in every way that I can. And on top of all that, I'm also teaching a grad course this semester. So I get the dynamic of the faculty side as well. Sometimes in a uh, administrative student role, administrators might often feel like, even the students might often feel like you can only connect on that academic level. But when I talk to students and when mm-hmm. I get to know students well, a lot of times it's about just what makes you you, what do you enjoy, what are the type of things you do. I think one of the things administrators can do and, and, and staff and, uh, you know, faculty members can do to make it easier for students to approach, to make it more comfortable for them to approach is to make yourself more approachable and accessible. And by that, it means, you know, we're, uh, what is this, November 8th, and we're having a 61 degree day. You can guarantee when I get an opportunity, I'm going outside and seeing who I can run into. And I think if folks approach with that mentality of, let me just get outside and have a conversation with the students. It doesn't have to be where they always see me in the classroom. It doesn't have to be within an office where when they walk in, this is what's on their mind. Let's just get outside and have a conversation, get to know each other and just hang out a little bit. So what can, what would you say? I mean, I know I just offered a little bit, but what would you say from a student perspective would make it easier for students to approach, you know, administrators? I would say have more school spirit events, like big events, not just like little club fairs or this club is doing this thing, but make it like a administration spot, you know, administration hosted school spirit event something on the green um writing that one down because that's gonna help build that community in a space too it's good to hear some feedback from students firsthand about developments what they're seeing what what what's working what's not working what they would like so i guess i'll selfishly ask you since last summer you mentioned the blackest strolls you mentioned george floyd since some of these instances have occurred are you satisfied or not satisfied? Are you encouraged? Are you pleased with the development that you've seen here at the institution since? I guess being creating my organization, the the league, I guess there is there's that and that's opened me opportunities for more positive stuff. So I, I really can't say I've seen 
a lot of changes other than I think the work that you and uh, Yolanda Caldwell have done. Um, I can't say there's any huge changes. Um, I can't, and I can't really say that I'm satisfied. Fully. No, that's fair. That's fair because um, working within an organization or, or institution and there's dynamics that have existed for years, it can take change and does take time for some changes to occur. The folks that I work with regularly day in and day out operate with that student first mentality and meeting students where they're at. So it's good to hear the perspective and incorporate more of that. That's a nice conversation. Um, the parts that really resonate for me are the way that Cortland talks about the way he has created a brotherhood among his connections on campus. You know, he says that it reminds him that that a person is always better with others and not alone. Um, when you have that brotherhood or that connection, you can be yourself. You can share ideas. Um, he says you can face the world. You can live comfortably. Yeah, and he's able to do that because of being in a place that facilitated those connections. Yeah, and with Dr. G coming on board and being there to shepherd along in partnership with students, initiatives like Cortland's, I just, I really like hearing the enthusiasm there on both sides to have an impact. It's because of those relationships that he built before the pandemic that he was able to pivot in the midst of the pandemic and maintain those connections in the face of things happening on a large scale and on a small scale. Yeah, and having played with his band and all the great people in the band, you know, realizing exactly what that experience did for him and realizing the need for that to exist broadly for students at St. Rose. So leaving a path as he comes closer to graduation for students to step into a fellowship, step into a brotherhood like he experienced. And both Cortland and Jada make me reflect on the concrete ways that students are the architects of this space and this culture at St. Rose. I know we're waiting to see where the next surge goes, but I cannot wait till that spirit event on the green, Cortland. (laughs) Yeah, the idea of having a big event on the green I think connects with what we're about to hear from our next guests about how important place is in connecting us to people. Here come our neighbors from Residence Life. Let's welcome them in. Hi, I am Cole Norberg. I am a senior here at the College of St. Rose. I am heavily involved in campus. Uh, I am a chairperson for SEB this year. I'm in charge of senior events. I've been on late night planning committee for the past three years, and I've also been an orientation leader, a tour guide, and so many other roles that I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, it's so great to see you today. I'm really excited to be able to have this conversation with you. I'm Jen Richardson. I'm the Associate Vice President for Student Development. I've been here at the college now. This is starting my 15th year. And prior to being in this role, um, I was the Director of Residence Life for 12 years and able to work with students in a variety of ways. And Cole, I think you and I have 
most recently really been able to work together as you have been a work study student in the student development office for a while, but then also really developing more of a relationship when you were an orientation leader this year and being here for star days and really taking such an active role in helping our new students get acclimated to being here on campus and, and having that chance for the first time in a couple of years where we could actually bring new students here and welcome them in the way that we really know we want to. So I don't know about you, but I feel like I was really touched hearing a lot of the thoughts that students had around what was it like to be back in the classroom again? Um, what are their hopes? What are their goals? What are their thoughts? You know, it really continues to drive home for me that we, we really have two new classes here this year. It's not just our first year students and our transfer students that came in this fall, but are also our, our second year students right, who are having a much different experience than they did last year. I definitely agree with you. I've had other people coming up to me, even our, our SCB vice president this year, she's a sophomore, and she she is all about wanting to get events coming out on campus because even she herself, this is her first time really being on campus. And it's so many other people's first time that even our sophomores, we have first years coming up to them and they don't know how to get places either. They're just as confused as the freshmen. And it's for the upperclassmen, it's 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 different to watch because we at least got to be here for a short period of time before everything happened. But now we're all back and some of us are still, we, we come in, we're a little lost. And even I had some of my other friends that are seniors here with me and they came up to me and they were like, I don't remember how to get here. So in, in thinking through that, what are some of the things that you think that, you know, we as staff members, as faculty members can do to help all of our students, whether it's to get reacclimated to campus or just to get acclimated? I think if it's anything, just talking to each other, like we haven't been able to have like face-to-face -face conversations, but we can still be able to, we pass by someone go, hey, how are you doing? It doesn't have to be big in-depth conversations all the time. Like it's those small interactions of getting everybody used to being here, being able to get around. It goes back to that level of comfort, right? And, and helping each other feel comfortable with each other. And, and yeah, sometimes the masks create that barrier I think it's so nice when we're able to be outside and we can take those masks down for a little while and, and be who we are and, and show our smiling faces and get each other to be able to recognize one another. Talk to me a little bit about what you felt like your experience was during orientation and during star days. How successful do you think those were for our new students and, and how can we continue to do better to be able to help welcome them here to campus? I still talk to some of the people I had in my star day groups. I still talk to people that I had in my orientation groups. I know you do. People, <laughs> I talked to a bunch of them. And I think this year, all the first years, they all want to come up to the orientation leaders. I had a group of them. It was, God, I think it was about two weeks into the semester. And I had a group of freshmen come up to me and they all said, We've been trying to find our orientation leaders. It feels like you guys like disappeared. And I said, no, we all have very, very strange schedules, but they all feel comfortable enough to come up to us, to try to find us, to make jokes with us and say, hey, like I haven't seen you guys, that they're actively looking for us. Like that, I feel like that was a great part of orientation. The fact that we were able to make them feel comfortable enough and want to 
actually try to find us after the fact is showing that we're really coming forward and we're making them feel welcome. We're making them feel, you know, safe and we're giving them the home. Absolutely. And, and that's a huge tribute to everything that you and all the other orientation leaders really worked for during the course of the summer and into the early part of the fall and, and even up until now, right? To be able to help those students feel comfortable recognizing what it means to be somewhere new and, and how to be able to feel that welcoming atmosphere. We, we tout home um, and we want that to be what students feel when they're here. And But I think it, it's really true that all of you as orientation leaders and, and certainly what I saw from you, Cole, throughout that period of time, you know, you've really done such an amazing job of helping our students to do that. We had to just come in we had to be like we're here with open arms for you we are ready for you exactly and i think that definitely helped them feel a thousand times better yeah you know in spite of the challenges that we've faced over the last 18 months or so i think it's been one of the things that st rose has done so well we pull together as a community we care about each other and and it's our priority to be able to be here it's such a good thing to know that we can have students and faculty back in the classrooms together being able to have family weekend a few weekends ago and being able to do events with the student clubs, with SEB, right? Those things are such an important part of our student experience that it just, it really makes it so important for us to show how much we care about each other and be able to do those things. When I was doing orientation and star day with you, I was even asking them then what people wanted to see. And everybody was like, I don't really care what I see. I just want to see it. I want to be able to go there. I want to be able to experience it. What does it mean for you to call St. Rose home and to be welcome here? I came here to start fresh and I was so scared that I was going to, you know, be outcasted. I was, it was a small college. So I was like, most people are probably going to know each other. Nope. Everybody was just as clueless as me. <laughs> But then I would always make it a point to talk to any of the faculty members, talk to all my professors, just so that way like, I could feel more comfortable and I didn't have to worry about feeling so alone. And just slowly and surely, I just went from knowing like two people, one of them being the person I had to live with because I went with a random roommate, to randomly people will come up to me on campus and I'm like, oh, hello. People here at St. Rose are so welcoming, whether it's the students that are getting passing by, the professors that are making sure that, you know, you feel comfortable in class, that you are getting the material, that if you need help, that you're there, there for you, or even the faculty members that even at seven in the morning when they all much rather be asleep, they put on smiling faces and they smile their day away and they make us feel welcome. When I was an undergrad, and I feel like it's decades ago, and it, it is decades ago, I think back to the person who was our director of student activities at that point. She was like my second mom. You know, I, I remember there were many days of sitting in her office and crying and feeling like I'm just so grateful to have that person here. And I hope that I know I can't do it for all students, but I hope that there are some students that when I have the opportunity, I'm able to make those connections with and have students feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, I know that if I need something, I can go to Jen and she'll help me with that. And that's always been one of the things that has really helped guide me while I've been here. But, you know, it's really, it is thinking back to those days and really thinking through what was, what was important to me then 
And yes, it's a new generation, but we all still need some of those same things to help us feel welcome. You know, when I first came to St. Rose, one of the things that really drew me here was just the sense of family, knowing that I had people around me. And, I, and I've said this before when I, when I would interview area coordinator candidates at different times and they'd ask, well, why, why have you stayed? And, and my answer was always, it's always about the people around me. And I think, you know, there's been so many of us that are here with those intentions for the students, but feeling like we want to get to know each other, not just to be here and come to campus each day and leave at the end of the day and, and go from there, but that it's important for us to know who we are and who our students are to really be able to keep things moving forward and, and to be able to have that sense of home and sense of welcome. If we didn't have that here, we wouldn't be St. Rose. I've made so many like good connections here. Like I don't, I don't want to leave. And it comes from everybody just even the small reaching out of, hey, like you look a little bit out of it. Are you okay? Like just a little being able to go to someone to be able to talk to them uh, and just having those opportunities, being able to make those deeper connections than a this is my professor, or this is someone that works at my college. Like it's something deeper than that. Like, yes, this is this person that has X, Y, and Z roles, but this is also a person that actually has a story to them that has more behind them. And I, I've always loved St. Rose for that. I've loved that. I've always been able to get a deeper connection with professors, my classmates in general. I love the smaller aspect of it. So that way I could do that. And it's, it's been my favorite part of being here. I can be greeted by a bunch of people. I have friends that turned into family from how close we got. That's what's so encouraging as we continue to move down this path of helping our students be able to come together. I'm so proud of this community and, and who we are and, and where I know we're gonna continue to go. And just every day I look forward to what we can do to help our students. They're not just empty words, right? It's who we are. Mm -hmm. And that's really important for all of us. I hear so much joy in Cole and Jen's voices. Joy in the work they've done together. Joy that they feel in welcoming the next generation into St. Rose. That it's the places and the people who make this college experience what it is. Right. And as we hear from Jen and Cole, in some cases, it is a literal place. In this case, the students on campus residence. And being face to face, as Cole says, allows us to learn a person's story, which can help us forge a connection with them and cement our position in a place. What I really see from our guest today is best put by Dr. G. He says, the future is in good hands. It sure as heck is, Liz. I am really excited to see what these students do. Well, Liz, I know we're headed into the heart of winter here but we have so much to look forward to. We have a spring of more podcast episodes. We have Cortland's Spirit event that I hope comes to fruition. We can keep our eye out for Jen and Cole and Jada and Dr. G hanging out on the green on the next warm day. And please keep your eye out for Dear Neighbor as well. Dear Neighbor, like much of higher education, is on a semester schedule. Stay tuned. Episode 3 will be released in spring of 2022. Have a comment about this episode or want to hear something in a future episode? 
Drop us a note at www.stroes.edu backslash dear hyphen neighbor and scroll to the submission form at the bottom of the screen or send us an email or voice memo at dearneighbor at stroves.edu and don't forget to follow us on instagram dear underscore neighbor underscore podcast dear neighbor is hosted by liz richards and emily pinkerton who also produced the show edited engineered and mixed by christian Shear and event and administrative support from Ali Ryder. Our theme music, entitled Sad at the Party, was composed by Michael Sanchez. Funding for Dear Neighbor is provided by the Provost's Office at the College of St. Rose. A big thank you to our participants from this episode in order of appearance. Jada Hart, Galen Gomes, Cortland Deverne, Cole Norberg, and Jen Richardson. And a big thanks again to you, listeners, for returning to Dear Neighbor. See you around the neighborhood.